broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's time for Chattanooga Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Well, good day to you, everybody. My name is Victor Greta Jr., and I am your host for this Business Radio X in Chattanooga. Today, I am joined by three folks in the studio. This is, is going to be a really, really great show, I think. We have got uh, three folks that do different things, but these are all women-owned businesses, and I think we're going to get some perspective on that, but I also want to hear what you each do individually. So we're going to start here to my left with Claire Bartlett. You are a sports psychology consultant, and you are a tennis professional. Yes. And I'm, I'm a big fan of tennis myself, so I'm, I'm curious about what do you do right now? So I, like you said, I'm a sports psychology consultant. Um, I have my own sports psychology business, and I work with athletes individually and with teams and groups um, and just work on mental skills with them and hopes to enhance their performance and reach their goals. Really cool. Really cool. Uh, and then I'm joined with uh, Sherry Young right here, and you are the CEO and founder of Feminology. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so Feminology is a public relations agency and brand development agency as well. I work with individuals and small businesses who are looking to brand themselves, create a path to market, um, figure out how to get their products or service into the hands of their buyers and uh, create a, a strategy along with them for that. Awesome. Excellent. And then our last guest is Cherie White and you work with Pampered Chef. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I'm an uh, independent executive director, and I educate and do cooking classes, um, quick food preparation through hands-on cooking demonstrations. And at these cooking parties, guests see and try products, prepare and sample recipes, and learn quick uh, food preparation that fall in line with our mission to bring people back around the dinner table. Cool. Well, you know, let's uh, we'll continue along that line. Tell us a little bit about Pampered Chef itself. It's, it's sort of an interesting model. It is. Um, the Pampered Chef is a global marketing enterprise and leading supplier of a high quality and unique kitchen product line that includes time-saving kitchen tools, cookware, cutlery, cookbooks, stoneware, and pantry products. We were established in 1980 by Doris Christopher and um, we're, we're part of uh, Berkshire Hathaway since 2002. And so what do you do as, a, as this executive director of Pampered Chef? Well, I, um, as, as a leader um, in direct sales, Pampered Chef is a direct sales company. I recruit, train, and mentor consultants to build fulfilling, income-producing, home-based businesses. My Pampered Chef organization currently consists of 470 overall consultants, and they um, are $2 million yearly sales team. I've been with the company for 20 years and seven months, and currently Pampered Chef has 44,000 consultants in the United States, Canada, and the UK. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, and I understand you, you folks, you partner with some charitable giving organizations as well, right? Tell us a little bit about that. We sure do. Pampered Chef partners with Feeding America to help provide meals to those in need through our Roundup from the Heart program. Contributions from limited edition products benefit Feeding America, and orders rounded up benefit local members of the Feeding America Network, we realize that our shared mealtime mission is not a reality for many. And nearly 49 million Americans don't know where their next meal is going to come from. So we partner with them to help provide meals. And through the generosity of customers, we've raised more than 25 million since 1991 for Feeding America. 
and there is a local food bank here in Chattanooga, and one dollar will feed ten people. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, I know that I, I've I've experienced some Pampered Chef products myself. I really loved them. So, but if I were going out and selling these on my own, how, how much money can I expect to make on that? That's a good question. Um, starting out, the average consultant is going to start out making about twenty five dollars an hour. The average industry consultant um, is anywhere from twenty five to forty thousand. Many consultants are making six figures, and our career plan rewards us for consistency with travel, fine jewelry, and cash bonuses. Does the uh, the company offer training? I mean, is this something that you kind of have to come to it with sales experience or? or... No, no sales experience. We um, actually have a wonderful um, Pampered Chef University online training. And as a director and recruiter, I train and mentor my consultants. But our um, our website is being re- reinvented by some really incredible um, folks right now. Well, you know, for a company that's been around that long, I think it's important to reinvent over time. And you have to you kind of have to keep pace with the way things uh, are going in the world. To that end, Sherry, I want to talk to you about you're talking about reinvention. <laughs> and that's something that I think that you are in the process of right now, right? I am. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so uh, it's funny you bring that up. I mean, reinvention is key in owning your own business. And it's funny, I meet people from time to time who own their own business and um, especially, and, and I just I say this with all due respect, I think um, younger entrepreneurs um, are extremely positive, high energy, they have um, ambitious goals and will convince you that, you know, they have the concrete method of getting, you know, of attaining those goals. And um, it's important to be clear it's important to be focused, yet, especially a service-based business like I'm in, uh, you have to listen to um, your customers and, and you have to have your ear to the economy. Uh, I have to constantly be thinking, what is actually sellable? What does my client need? Do they need me involved in their logo? Do they need me involved in their um, public relations campaign? What can I do from a consulting standpoint um, that is important, yet where do I back off in terms of campaign execution? Where do I um, refer them out to someone else? Um, so it, it's a really it's really a daily challenge in terms of knowing where I'm needed and making sure that that's where I show up and where I deliver. And so for Feminology, we started as, as I told you, a public relations and brand development firm. What I've learned in the last 15 months is that um, I could stay there and I could run that model all day long, but there's more opportunity in other places. Um, I don't design. I'm not a designer. If someone needs a logo, I pull in a designer and I work with that person to create that their brand. That can get quite expensive when you have someone like me who's billing at a certain rate um, after 20 something years in the business. Um, and really that may not be, uh, in the best interest of the client. So what I've done is I've deconstructed my agency model and flattened it. Um, I had as many as 12 people on my team at one time, uh, seven of us under the same roof overhead was quite high. And, uh, what I found was that I had gone from working out of my home as, as a single mom and um, making more than I needed to 
taking the revenue of the company, tripling it, quadrupling it, yet having to pay that money into the overhead. So really at the end of the day, I don't think I was any further ahead financially. In fact, I was in a worse position than I was, you know, on my own. So it's like, wow, you know, I can build this agency and I can uh, set out to do great work for more people and have the wonderful experience of collaborating with others. Yet, at the end of the day, how is that serving me as a woman-owned business and as an independent professional who, like everyone else, has to pay my bills? So now um, I do not have an office. Um, I've closed that down. Actually, my lease expired. I just opted not to renew. And um, I'm searching for um, kind of a, maybe something like here at Regis, I'm not sure, uh, something where I can office two or three days a week and meet with others. And then I'm going from just a service-based model into um, developing our own media company. So the years I've spent in putting out other people's messages, their, their ideas, their campaigns, I'm actually taking those skill sets and creating a platform for feminology. And we're going to be talking about women's issues on radio um, and digital content and uh, down the road in in television. Absolutely. Well, that's really cool stuff. And of course, you have to reinvent because the world changes, right? The world changes. And and Mm -hmm. honestly, um, even if the world is the same, you're always learning. So that's really key. If you're always learning, and you're willing to be taking inventory on how you're doing. It's really about getting honest. Because, <laughs> you know, when you when you create a, a business and you have people working with you and you have people coming to you, and, and I would think very much in your position as a leader, you know, you get a lot of kudos and you get some recognition. It's not hard to do in a small town. And at the end of the day, you have to look at the mirror and say, you know, it's really not about that. You know, it's, I mean... It's just not. It's about um, having a, a, to sound cliche, a balanced life and having time with your family or the people whom you care about most, um, making sure you're profitable and that you're living out whatever is your specific um, business path or life purpose. You're leaving an impact on the world that's positive. And, and what I found was I was way out of balance. So um, I don't know that the world changed that much, but I just learned I wasn't doing what I needed to be doing. Yeah. So. Well, I'm going to come back to that in just a little bit because what you said about building a business, but you've got all this overhead and sort of retuning. I, yeah. I find that that's very in line with sort of the gig economy and and what's going on in the world right now. So I do want to come back to that in just a minute when we when we open up to our panel side. But I want to talk to Claire for a minute. So Claire, you know, these folks have, have talked about being in business for like 20 years, was there even sports psychology 20 years ago? Um, well, it's a relatively new field. It um, only started around the 1950s. Um, so it was very new 20 years ago and still is very new. Um, and that's why I thought, well, hey, Chattanooga needs sports psychology. There, There is sports psychology at UTC. But um, aside from that, nobody's actually practicing sports psychology um, in a private consulting um, firm, you know, anywhere in Chattanooga. And so that's what inspired me. I was like, I want to bring sports psychology to Chattanooga. Yeah. Well, people talk about, you know, how sports is a mental game. It's, it's, it's right. really, you know, getting in the head of the other, uh, the other team. So what is really sports psychology? Sports psychology is really the 
education of and the application of mental skills that one can use, you know, in a performance setting um, to really enhance their performance and, and reach their goals. And what made you get into this? Um, I actually, I played tennis at the University of Florida and um, I've played tennis throughout my life. So it's, it's kind of sports psychology has been there with me um, every step of the way, but I really wanted to go in depth and study it after my college experience and um, brief professional experience. Um, I had a lot of injuries and I had a lot of things I was dealing with on teams and everywhere else. And I just couldn't make sense of my experience. And I knew other people were going through that same thing on other teams around the nation. And so I was like, I think I really want to want to study this. So I went to University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and got my master's. Wow. So, you know, that's, I, I wanted to see what kind of services you provide. And I, I started thinking about that. And I thought, this isn't just getting into the head of the opponent. It's getting in your own head and making sure that, you know, you're capable of functioning to the best of your ability, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and one of the first mental skills that I would work on um, if I were in an individual setting, one-on-one or um, group or team is self-awareness. And it's about really like, calming down and being like, hey, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And what can I do to, you know, build on both of those and try to move forward? So who, what, what kind of folks do you work with? I mean, are these older athletes, younger athletes, or a mix of all of those? It's, it's really any age. I've, I've worked with young kids as, as young as seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've worked with teenagers and I've worked with people that are, you know, in in a recreational setting and just, you know, or having trouble and they've played for a few years, but they, they want to get better. Um, so it, it really, the age range spans. Well, and you know, to that end, I mean, what, what are some of the benefits of this? We talked about that self-awareness. I mean, I assume that a seven or eight year old probably has a different set of needs than someone who's mid thirties and maybe the, their sports career is starting to wind down. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, the benefits really are just, more confidence in yourself, you know, feeling like you have something to go to when things aren't going well and, um, and more motivation. You know, I have people come to me that are just burned out or they're just overtrained and, but they know they love the sport or they know they love their performance. Um, and so just figuring out how we can get them back motivated and, and techniques and ways we can, we can use, um, in those sessions. And, uh, so how often should you, practice these mental skills to see results? Ideally, it's it's good to practice three times a week, um, anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes. Um, and just it's just like building a habit with anything. You know, you have to do it at least 40 to 50 times to really, you know, hone it in and have it ingrained in, in your head. And so practicing three times at a minimum, um, I'd say five times would be great as well. <laughs> Which, you know, so. sounds like a, a sort of athletic metaphor, right? Because you're, you're practicing, you're, you're honing your craft. But how how is it what you do different from, say, a clinical psychologist? So I deal with strictly performance enhancement. So that's anything inside your sport or if you're you know, a public speaker or if you're an actress or dancer, anything within that realm. Um, a clinical psychologist, though, on the other hand, would deal with more clinical issues such as depression, bipolar, eating disorder. Um, and if somebody comes to me and they say, you know, they start talking about things and then I realize that, hey, these are signals I might say, you know, I want to refer you to someone else, but yet we can still work, you know, on your performance setting. Um, but just, I usually refer out if I feel like it's, it's getting in the way of the services. But then that way, when they see both people, they get the best of both worlds. You know, they get treated appropriately for their clinical issues, but then they get 
their performance enhancement as well. And you're not just seeing players, you're, you're seeing also parents, coaches. Right. Yeah. I do a lot of parent education actually. And I've had several parents just come to me first before I talk to their kids, um, just because they want to understand what all this is about. And I feel like the word psychology scares a lot of people. And so that's why I try to talk to people about performance enhancement and um, put myself out there as more of a, a coach rather than sport psychologist or sports psychologist, uh, psychology consultant. And how do you how do you make an appointment? You guys have an office or? Yeah, yeah, I have an office. It's um, one, two, two, two Tremont Street. Um, and I meet there individually with athletes. Um, and then I usually, if, if I'm working with a team, I'll go to where they are and we'll have a big mental skills workshop. So cool. But yeah. And then you can call um, the number 845-GOAL and um, I'll pick up the phone and we can make an appointment. <laughs> well, and, and like you said, you're the only game in town, right? Right. So, you know, you're you're starting really, how long have you been in business so far? A year. A year. So you're just starting out a business. And I think I want to talk to uh, Sherry a little bit more about that idea of building a business and making sure that it's a sustain, sustainable business and that your profits are good, uh, that you don't just grow for growth's sake. So tell me a little bit about that and sort of your experiences when you <laughs> built it. You know, this company had all this overhead and whatnot. Why, uh, why do you think that it is necessary now for people to pare down and really just, you know, kind of cut costs? I mean, there's a safety net of having people at your kind of beck and call, right? So now you have to sort of fish around. So what's that experience been like for you? Well, it's been, uh, I have to say, one of the most educational experiences of, of my career. And uh, just, there is such a thing as growing too fast. And I also wanna say that being busy does not equal being profitable. And it's a, it's a really sneaky uh, uh, trickster, you know, if, if you will. Cause you can go into the office and like I was working all the time and my kids would testify to that. I mean, and I'm talking 16, 17, 18 hour days, mm -hmm. go home, sleep, eat, go back. And also when you're paying pretty hefty rent um, and all the equipment that's there, you know, you don't work from home because you know, you've got the financial commitment and you're going to make use of it. And also your team needs you or we were very interdependent. So that's a lot of self-induced pressure. Um, so I would say for me, the experience was thrilling. It was an adrenaline rush and a, just a huge wake-up call, you know, just a huge wake-up call to, um, I mean, for me personally, as a middle-aged woman and a mother, success just, I had to get really clear about what success meant for me. So I would say to anyone who's starting um, her own business, any, any woman out there who might be listening or any man, it's really important to define before you start wh where are you going? It's not, you know, not just a lot of times people have a path to where they're going and they're not really thinking about the end goal. You know, do you want to have $250,000 a year in revenue and six employees? Do you want to have a corner office on the 10th floor, you know, on here in Chattanooga, you know, on, on Broad Street. I mean, you know, what really matters to you and really get honest about that. Because if you don't, you can very quickly, if you're committed and driven and you're a hard worker 
and you're good at what you do, which most entrepreneurs are, um, you will very quickly be, you'll go from zero to a (laughs) hundred and then you'll wake up and go, oh my gosh, you know, like, uh, how'd I get here and what am I doing? And, and is this what I really want? And so I'm not saying my experience was bad. It was just educational. And it's interesting. This isn't my first business. So I've had other businesses over the years, balancing work and family. And I've had, I've been an employee. So you would think I, I, I was really clear when I started, (laughs) but actually I wasn't. So one little tip on that, that I want to throw in is ask people around you for their opinion. People who know you well, people who know your tendencies, people who know your weaknesses, your strengths, ask them, you know, what do you think about this plan? And I'm talking about people in your family. It doesn't mean you have to do what they say. You know, it's your business, it's your life, but ask people for input, your best friend, someone in your church, some, it's just get, run the gamut because people experience you differently based on your relationship with them. And I think um, kind of the culmination of all that info will give you some perspective that you may not have. Um, and, and in fact, that's what I did when I decided to flatten my business and shift gears. I actually went to people and said, what are you seeing? You know, and even my own children. Yeah. And, and so that, that information is, is what helped me to, to make some hard decisions. Well, you know, something you said struck me as I heard a phrase recently that I really like, which is you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them when you look back, right? So all of those experiences that you encountered, I mean, that helped you connect the dots and that led you to where you are today. So exactly. those, those are all good things, you know, yes. in the end. Um, now, Cherie, you had the advantage of, with Pampered Chef, they sort of have, you know, they take care of some of the overhead and, and that sort of thing. What I really love about this sort of model with Pampered Chef is this is like the gig economy 20 years before that even existed. Um, you know, these are, each of your folks are also entrepreneurs in their own right. And you've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. So how have you seen that sort of growth? I mean, well, really what I'm curious about is, did you plan for this? Did you think about where do I want to be, you know, 20 years from now with this thing? How far can I take this? Or was it just something that you were kind of like, man, let's try this out and just see where it goes? Well, when I um, went to my first cooking show 21 years ago, my children were three and seven and I was a stay-at-home mom. Um, And I thought, well, wow, this is going to give me the, I will be able to have it all. I can, I can be home with my children and I can build a career. Um, But I have always set five-year goals. Um, I think it's very important to set those goals and to have a vision of where you want to go with the company. Um, and over time, your goals are going to change. You know, my, my goals were private school for my, you know, children and um, building a vacation um, home in the mountains. And um, now, you know, I'm, I've been with the company 21 years, so those goals are changed. And I'm thinking more about, you know, my, my financial, you know, contributions. So this has given me the best of both worlds. That's really cool. Now, uh, Claire, what about five years? Where, where do you want your practice to be in that amount of time? Well, I would like um, to add more people to my business because it's only me at the moment. So I would like to add more consultants. I have a lot of friends that are just now getting their master's and it would be nice to add some of them and um, just 
adding more people like a nutritionist who has a sport focus, you know, and uh, maybe a trainer who has no particular focus that they would like. So I'd like to, for it to be kind of a, like one stop for anybody like an athlete that would need a more of a holistic, um, holistic experience of sports. I think that's a, that's a really good way of growing this thing is sort of incrementally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you've seen that as well, right? Growing incrementally, you know, that, that sounds like maybe what the problem was. And I actually have a good friend who was a designer. He had a design firm had all this staff. And then when he cut back, he was able to have this better work-life balance. So it's really that incremental and then looking for people that you can talk to and sort of, you know, they, you have this network, but it becomes a business network as well. And so you're all feeding off of each other's work, right? When you're all learning from each other, that that's what I miss from being in school. And it's the one thing you have to get used to when you're you're an entrepreneur, you do a lot of things by yourself, um, but it's great to go to networking things um, around town and just talk to people and learn from people. And now, Sherry, you've been involved in some of these networking events. Talk, yeah. talk a little bit about what's what's available in Chattanooga for oh, that. Oh, wow. So, honestly, when I started my business here, um, I'm a, I grew up in Chattanooga, but I've been gone for many years. And I had recently moved back. And um, I knew of CWLI, um, which is a wonderful organization for professional women of, of all kinds, whether you're an employee or an entrepreneur. Um, I could not find, and I... And I'm, I know there are rumblings throughout town, and this is in the works through different organizations, but um, I couldn't find an organization specifically dedicated to entrepreneurial women. And so what I really needed and wanted was that community of women who were walking a similar path to mine. We we each have different businesses, but um, we each have to do a lot of things, and um, whether we're supported by... uh, a company or we create our own company, it's uh, as an independent professional, building your own income, building your own future. I think that brings a unique, unique set of challenges. So um, what I did was just created one. (laughs) I said, well, I guess I'll just open my doors and start asking people to come and we'll see what happens. And I also needed to network, you know, with those, those same people. And so I started an event, um, and it's not not a formal organization. I I don't want to misrepresent that. But I just started something called, under feminology, Fem First Fridays. And so I don't know if any listeners out there have have been, but I have a wonderful community of women now. And um, every the first Friday of every month, um, beginning at 5.30, it's free, you come, we offer refreshments and I would just, I just began acquiring contacts and, and asking women if they would share uh, their experience or some specific, um, for instance, um, a behavioral psychologist um, talked about body language, you know, one time and the importance of your body language in working with clients or potential clients as you're trying to pitch a deal or close a deal. And, and so we'll do a brief time of um, education and um, learning, and then we network. So it's gone as late as 8, 9 o'clock before. And so, again, nothing formal there, but that's something that I've been committed to uh, for the, since I opened my doors. Um, all kinds of um, programs in the community, I, I would encourage people to go to um, – the Small Business Association, um, Brightbridge Women's Center um, is 
was very helpful to me. Um, lots of contacts. They have free workshops. Um, just ton, I think they do maybe weekly, at least monthly. They do some kind of free seminar. You can meet other entrepreneurs there, um, uh, particularly women. It's a it's um, I can't remember Mary Mary Cedric runs that, so you could look them up. And then Startup Week is really important in Chattanooga. We got involved in that first year. Um, Right after we opened our doors, it runs in October. We held an event for women in business, had a panel of women. I did not know most of the panel because I just didn't have a lot of contacts here. And so I asked people who knew people, you know, can you ask this this person to serve on the panel? Can you ask this person to come? And I mean, Chattanooga is an easy town to network. You know, I, I will say that community is critical and, um, I, there are days when I thought, gosh, you know, this might be too big of a mountain to climb here, you know. And when I feel that way, it's inevitable. I have a woman in my life who's walking a similar path in business who says, I, you know, I'll support you. You can do this. And you're good at this. And you need to stick with it, you know. Yeah. So well, I think that's critical. Right? It is. For our, for our psychology, just for the information sharing and knowing that people have, have shared that struggle as well. And yeah. they're dealing with the same issues. You know? Yeah. And at the end of the day, we, we just want to be happy. We want to make sure that our kids are fed and our families are happy. And, you know, we find some satisfaction in our work, right? Exactly. <laughs> and Cherie, to that end, I think that in 20 years, you know, Pampered Chef has continued to offer the same great products and then they've introduced new things and whatnot. But there's also this, I think there's a stereotype that people think of, well, these are like Tupperware parties or whatever. And it's a little bit beyond that. You, you really have like a healthy lifestyle aspect to it. And it's not just women who are selling Pampered Chef, right? You're, you're correct. Our, two of our top um, company sales people are men. And um, we're, we're living in such a fast-paced world that people are looking to be able to prepare um, healthy cooking in less than 30 minutes. And I always ask people, if I could show you how to make a nutritious meal in less than 30 minutes that costs $3 a serving, would that blow your skirt up? Men eat, <laughs> women eat. Um, children eat, um, people are setting up kitchens from college, they're getting married, um, 70% of households men cook. Um, so it's, it's, we're on the cutting edge of kitchens and cooking and lifestyle. So we can turn a, a just a, an, a plain meal into something extraordinary. I think, I think that's a great statistic, by the way. I personally love to cook, but I'm also a gadget nerd. So I love things like sous vide and all this other crazy stuff that you can do. Uh, so, you know, Pampered Chef is, I'm, I'm actually very familiar with y'all and I love the stuff that y'all do. So uh, that's really cool. But in that, in the 20 years that you've been in the business, I mean, as a, as a woman who owns a business, how has that changed over the years? Well, um, when I started 21 years ago, I was happily married. Um, I have been single for 11 years. Um, and everybody still has to eat. So I do have to continually find network, just like you were saying, and, and go to networking groups because um, you're, you're always um, trying to, to find new customers. And the fun thing is, is everybody eats. So that hasn't changed, but the company is being reinvented. Um, Warren Buffett's right-hand person, Tracy Britt Cool, just became our CEO and she's 31 years old. Wow. And um, I've seen 
just incredible recruiting growth in the last year. She's been with us for a year and a lot of great guidance. And we, we, we just continue to feed people and teach people. That's incredible. Now, speaking of uh, personal and everyone has to eat, Claire, you, there's nothing more personal than mental health, I think, right? So, but not everybody plays sports. A lot of people enjoy sports. So how big a market do you see in Chattanooga and, and maybe regionally and nationally for something like sports psychology? Well, I think it's actually a bigger market than it lets on. I really think of sports psychology as performance psychology, and that's kind of the umbrella that we fall under. And um, really, I look at life as a performance. So there are lots of things, you know, you do right after you get out of your house that is a performance. And so um, I think sports psychology and the principles um, can run into business and, like I said, into theater and, and dance and a lot of different fields that traditionally aren't, you know, just sport and um, they don't have to be competitive per se. You know, it could just be a thing like public speaking and you're trying to do the best for yourself. Um, and I think I think the principles in sports psychology can run across a, a lot of different fields. Well, I'm definitely an advocate of mental health. I think probably most people in their life could stand to have a little bit of uh, consulting or therapy or, or, you know, just a perspective, right? Because that's a, a big part of it is giving people that perspective. And that's what you were talking about. I also share is like when you hear the perspectives of other people, you realize, well, you know, we've, we've all kind of had some similar struggles. And yeah. so let's many hands make light work, right? Yeah. And so let's all work together for something that's bigger than ourselves. Yes, exactly. I actually ran into a woman um, last night at an event who I've been wanting to do a story on her and um, really get to know her. She's an entrepreneur in town. I won't say her name. I've been wanting to get with her for a couple of months. I've reached out and she said, let's do it. And last night when I ran into her, I just said, um, you know, can we do this? Can we set this up? And she said, you know, I really haven't been ready. I've really hit some challenges in my business and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pull this off. And so I've kind of been avoiding you. And so I said, I get it. I understand. Um, She's also a parent and has bills to pay and all of that. So I said, why don't we just get together and have coffee and off the record and let me know how I can support you. So we're actually going to do that. But it is, I don't know her story. I mean, but she's got her own unique perspective. Um, Everyone's going through different things and, you know, launching their own business. And you have to be aware of that. Yeah. When we're we're working with people. Uh, Cherie, can you, we're going to wrap up here, but I, I want to hear from each one of you, any advice that you might give somebody uh, who is thinking about starting a business, specifically women who want to start their own business and become entrepreneurs themselves? Well, I would say brand. Does the company have a recognizable brand and how long have they been in business? Pampered Chef has been in business 35 years and we are part of Berkshire Hathaway. Um, are they part of the Direct Selling Association? Um, that's going to monitor regulations and ethics. Um, what's the startup fee? Uh, we can get started with our large kit for $159 with over $600 in products or a small kit for $99 with a $250 um, value. Is there a yearly fee? We don't have any yearly fees. We don't deliver. We don't stock inventory. We don't pay for host gifts. Um, we do have a great website and um, it's very affordable and they maintain, the company maintains it for us. There is training, um, our Pampered Chef University online and as well as your director and recruiter. And cooking is not gender-based. Um, we, we attract men and we attract women. 
So, and there are no territories. So I would, I would look at that. Is it affordable? Is it a brand? And um, is it consumable? I mean, everybody has to eat. That's right. Well, I also want to ask you, what's your favorite part about Pampered Chef? Probably the flexibility. Um, I, I am very spoiled. Um, I've been to two beaches in the last two weeks, um, but I know I want to do eight, eight shows a month. And um, I just like having the flexibility of having a home-based business. And that's, you know, we're a relationship business and it's about relationships with our customers, with our consultants, um, but we can put our family first and, and you can't put a price on that. No, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to complain about that many beach trips in that <laughs> amount of time. So Claire, uh, what about yourself in terms of launching your business, um, in terms of just building this business as a woman uh, business owner, what advice can you give to people who are in that same position? Um, I would just say, especially to women who own their own business, just, you know, stand up for yourself, be assertive and speak up, you know, for what you want. Um, And if you do end up getting discouraged a little bit, you know, go back to your goals, go back to your purpose. Like, why are you doing this? And let that be your drive for going forward. And what about starting a business in Chattanooga? What's great about Chattanooga in that regard? Uh, Well, there's just a buzz in Chattanooga. I like especially the entrepreneurial scene, but even outside that, there's just there's a lot of people coming in and um, people are really excited about what this city has to offer and what's what's going on and what's building. And um, so it's exciting to be a part of that community. Excellent. And Sherry, I'm sure you have a lot to say on that as well. So first part, what advice would you give to women who are looking at starting their own business? Uh, I, I suppose I'll just repeat what I said before, and that is, you know, get it on paper, get clear, set your goals and your, your path to market, um, test it out ask others what they think. Um, It's really important that you understand, and this I I tell women this all the time because I work with women in emerging businesses. And um, and I'm actually an investor in a couple uh, of of women-owned businesses. And the big question is not can you launch, it's can you sustain? That's at the end of the day, it's um, like Cherie said, you know, where am I gonna be in five years? A lot of people can't see five years out. That's okay. You have to be able to see three years out. What's it going to take you to get there? And where where do you need to end up? So my advice, again, is just um, get out of the emotional. Women tend to be feelers and very emotional beings. Get out of the emotional. Get into the cerebral. Focus on the facts. Ask for input. And then go. <laughs> then launch. Well, and as far as Chattanooga goes, you know, I know that the Often people talk about, and I know in the tech world, people talk about how versus Silicon Valley, it's obviously a order of magnitude less expensive to live in Chattanooga. But what are some of the other perks of having a business in Chattanooga? Oh, wow. Uh, well, I, like I said earlier, I think it's very easy to network here. You know, it's, Chattanooga is just, frankly, it's an easy town to live in. Mm-hmm. I've lived in three larger cities. Um, the largest was right outside of San Francisco. So being in Chattanooga, life is pretty simple. Um, you can get to most anything in 15 or 20 minutes. And um, I, I have found people to be very um, welcoming and has nothing to do with the fact that I'm from here. Um, in fact, there are many successful, prominent people in this town, uh, despite what many people would think, um, who are transient, who are new and um, transplants. And so I would say, don't, you know, don't stay in your hole. Don't stay in your bubble. Don't go inward, go outward, ask for help, 
ask for coffee, uh, connect. That's really critical. And it is easy to do here. You just have to get out there. That's right. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's certainly no lack of business opportunities in Chattanooga, no lack of networking opportunities in Chattanooga, which is why, of course, we're happy to have you all here today. And hopefully this conversation has helped some people who are listening and maybe each one of you to kind of, you know, commiserate and, and learn about each other. Sure. So I want to thank you all. Uh, Claire Bartlett with sports psychology. It's uh, empowercha.com is your site. And then uh, Sherry Young, Feminology. And what's your website? It's feminology.co, but due to reinvention, it's now down Okay. <laughs> um, for another six days. We'll be back up in six days with uh, our, our next next phase. And uh, you can reach me at Sherry, S-H-E-R-I, at feminology.co. Very cool. Very cool. And uh, Sheree White with Pampered Chef, thank you for joining us as well. And where can people find out more about you? www.pamperedchef.biz forward slash C-H-E-R-I-E, Sheree White. Very cool. Well, thank you all for joining us. I'm Victor Agreta, and I am the host. This has been Chattanooga Business Radio X. Thanks for listening.